thank you so much for this foundation course, Lord God. And Father, as we're we're approaching the end of it, Lord God, Father, I just thank you so much that you have poured into my life through this, Lord God, and Father, into everybody else's life, Lord, just on this message tonight, Lord Lord God, just uh, put the words in my mouth to say, Lord, that will be your words, and that it may bring life in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many remember The Purpose Driven Life? Book by Ron Warren. The younger people probably wouldn't wouldn't remember it, but uh, he started off with a, a statement that said, it's not about you. I don't know how many millions of books that he sold. And that's... That's our walk with the Lord, that it's not about us. It's about him. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So, we were created through God and for God. That's how you get to the place where it's not about you. God's purpose is not dependent upon us. God's purpose will be done regardless. It doesn't depend upon us. What we do doesn't affect God's plan because God doesn't need us to accomplish what he's going to accomplish. He wants us but he doesn't need us. But our purpose is dependent upon him. The interesting scripture they used was in Isaiah 46, 10 through 11, sometimes whenever you, you read, especially in the Old Testament, the prophets, uh, you just kind of go through it because sometimes it gets confusing because we, we, we didn't live in that era in that time. But Isaiah 6, 46, 1 through, 10 through 11 says, From the very beginning, telling you what the ending will be, all along letting you in on what is going to happen, assuring you, I'm in this for the long haul. That's God. Assuring you that I'm in this for the long haul. I'll do exactly what I set out to do, calling the eagle Cyrus out of the east from a far country, the man I chose to help me, I've said it, and I'll most certainly do it. I've planned it, so it's as good as done. So we read this scripture, and we read the things of God and the promises of God, and he said, I've planned it, so it's as good as done. No, God isn't wishy-washy. You know, we've talked a lot in this uh, in this series about uh, God's promises, about uh, the conditional and the unconditional promises of God, and so I want to give you a couple of examples of an unconditional and a conditional promise of God in Genesis nine eleven. Seeing that wire, it must be upside down. I see it hanging out there. Wait a minute. Genesis 9 11. 
driving me crazy. I hate this thing. Okay, that's better. All right. Genesis 9-11 says, Thus I established my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. That's the unconditional promise of God. We have to do nothing for this. This is God's promise to us. That this is the sign of the covenant which I make before between me and you and every creature that is with you for perpetual generation, for generation to generation to generation. Verse 13 said, I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. A good scripture for a conditional promise is Second Chronicles 7.14 see those on billboards and all of that and it says if see those are the iffy promises anytime you get to promise and it says if it means this is the condition of this promise that's set before you if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land that's a conditional promise of God got several conditions to that promise there's a scripture that says I desire that you prosper and be in health but it doesn't stop there it says even as your soul prospers so what soul prosperity you know God what is soul prosperity and soul prosperity is when your spirit has taken uh has taken authority over your soul. So, a lot of times, and I've known people that would get angry at God because they had a promise and it never came about. But they didn't read the iffy part of it, is the thing. Sometimes when we pray for, for, uh, for people, for whatever, whether it's to be healed or whatever, and they don't, and this is something God revealed to me a couple of years ago, was because we don't know everything. We don't know what's going on a lot of times in these, this, these people's lives and stuff like that. But people sometimes walk away from God because they feel like God let them down when actually sometimes we skip over the if, if part of a promise from God. And so I think God puts those in there because he wants on some of the things to, he wants to require something from us. So God doesn't want slaves. God doesn't want robots that will automatically do something or do, 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 do what we're supposed to do or do what he asks us to do. He doesn't want us to do it because we fear him. He wants us to do it because we love him. Because he loves us. So, he wants sons and daughters who lovingly carry out his mission upon earth. So we all have choices. Adam had a choice. 
And in the study, we'll see how God always gives us the choice to say yes or no to his plan, purpose, his purpose for our lives. A lot of the reason that we don't make the right decision is we need to ask, ask the Holy Spirit to show us, have I really given my life to Jesus? Or is there part of my life that I'm hanging on to that's not from God? Or if I really, is Jesus really the Lord over my life? Abraham and Rebecca are great examples of what God does for those who choose the plan for their life. Abraham became the father of many nations. Rebecca obeyed, and, allowed, and, and because she obeyed, she, she was, uh, God allowed her to be a part of the lineage of Jesus. Abraham is an amazing guy. And you see how he grew. You see, you read about Abraham, you see how he grew in the spirit uh, from the time that God had called him to the time that Isaac came. At the time that God called him and they were traveling to Egypt and all over these places, that he had told Sarah, well, don't tell them that you're my wife because they might kill, kill, kill me to take you. And he came to the place where he was willing to sacrifice Isaac because he knew he was a child of promise. He knew God was always faithful, and Isaac was a child of promise, so even if he did, God would have raised him from the dead. So that's how we walk through this, walk through this uh, walk that we have. And so uh, uh, Abraham became the father of many nations. Judas, on the other hand, is an example of choosing your own plan and purpose. You read about Judas. And Judas thought Jesus was had the wrong idea of who the Messiah was. And so he thought that he would come and destroy the Romans. Then he found out that that wasn't the way this was going to happen, so he thought he would force his hand, and it didn't work. Acts 117 and 24 through 25 says, Then they prayed, You, O God, though every one of us inside and out, make plain which of these two men, they were looking for a replacement for Judas, make plain which of these, of which of these two men you choose to take the place of this ministry and leadership that Judas threw away in order to go his own way. So as we choose to go our own ways, we what do we throw away whenever we do that? Sometimes we see that choosing our own path is, I want this, I want this, leads to the complete destruction of our lives. I can look back and see some of the times I made the wrong choices but it wasn't two choices that were made in rebellion. It was choices of, well, I wasn't sure what God wanted. And sometimes, sometimes we want something else so much that it's kind of hard to hear God. And it's not that I wanted to go my own way, but but it was, uh, but I still chose the wrong path. I can I can look back and see that, but I can also look back where I thought that I heard God. I remember I was offered a job when I was working for a company not making hardly anything. 
But this company was teaching me how to run a business. They didn't know it, but they were teaching me how to run a business. And that's why God had me there. But I was offered a job with an oil company. And it was a good job. And so I had decided that I was going to take the job. And, and so I went to work, and I just I was going to tell my boss, and, and it just wouldn't come out. You know, I knew, I began to know, and I, th I told him, I said, you know, I was offered another job. And he said, well, if we'll give you some more money, will you stay? I said, yeah, you don't have to give me any more money. You don't have to give me a raise. I'm going to stay anyway. But they gave me a raise. But that was a, a time that God kept me from making uh, making the wrong decision. It wasn't because I was in rebellion. Rebellion says I'm going to go my way because it's the way that I want to go. And the Word of God tells you that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. In Deuteronomy 30, God said, Today I'm giving you a choice. You can choose life and success or death and disaster. I'm commanding you to be loyal to the Lord, to live the way he has told you, and to obey his laws and teachings. You're about to cross the Jordan River and take the land that he is giving you. You obey him, you will live and become successful and powerful. On the other hand, you might choose to disobey the Lord and reject him. So I'm warning you that if you bow down and worship other gods, you won't have long to live. Right now, I call the sky and the earth to be witness that I am offering you this choice. Will you choose for the Lord to make you prosperous and give you a long life, or will you put, or will he put you under a curse and kill you? Choose life. You know, they've talked about Joshua and Caleb, and I love that story. Here's two guys that were willing to follow God instead of go with the crowd. You know, and, and God blessed them so much that, you know, Caleb was 80 years old. And if you look at the land that God gave Caleb, they call it the mountains. It's really kind of like the hill country, I think. And so he was 80 years old. That's the land God gave him. But he also gave him the ability to walk those hills at 80 years old. Yeah, I was telling you, God's warning, all kind of warnings about making the wrong choices and read this to the children of Israel. And the alternative wasn't very good for them. And that scripture about rebellion as a sin of witchcraft is, comes out of 1 Samuel 5. And that, as I said before, that is <clears throat> different than making a mistake. I thought God wanted me to go here and I, my heart was wanting to follow God. But I made this mistake. And God will take you to the place that you got off and you continue on on that one of the good examples of God looking at your heart, and that's what I'm talking about, that God looks at your heart. He loved the heart of David. David was pretty scummy in some ways, but God looked at his heart. You know, how can he take one of his best warrior's wife and make her pregnant and then try to set up a deal? And he, he says he had so much honor, he says, I won't 
enjoying my wife while my troops were out in the field fighting. So he slept at his door, Uriah. And then David sends him back with a message that says, take him into the hardest part of the battle and then, then back out and leave him there by himself. That is pretty scummy thing to do. But God loved David because he was quick to repent. He loved David because he had a heart for God. When we choose, it's our heart rather than God's heart. The biblical response to choosing against God, God's will is bondage, oppression, and separation from God. Our communication with God is, is, is hindered. That's why the gift of repentance is such a great gift. What a gift that God has given us. That if you will come and repent, turn from what is going on, what you did, then you're restored right then. What a gift. Saul is a, a great example of what happens when we choose our will over the will of God. So you read about Saul. This is another one of those big changes, but it's a big change going in the other direction. Is You remember whenever uh, Samuel went and anointed him as king, going to present him to the people, and he was a big guy. And he was hiding because he didn't want to face the people. He was, he was so humble that he, was, he, he, he didn't want to, want to face all the people. And then he goes from that to taking his own way instead of God's way. The power corrupted him. And so the people was call, calling out for a king, and God was the king. They said, we want a king like the rest of the, rest of the countries have, the rest of the kingdoms have. But Saul's disobedience and selfishness pushed God to choose another king. David. God, like I said, God always gives you the opportunity to repent and to live. It is our free choice to defy God's word or to repent and obey. God's will is that everyone will be will be faithful and enjoy all of His provisions. In order to for us to choose. God's plan and purpose, we must trust that God is good and his plans are always to prosper and not to harm. The lie is that my plan's better. Now, how, how could our plan be better than what God has for us? Or the lie could be, well, I'm not sure that I can hear God. But scripture says that his sheep can hear, can hear him. And so that's the truth. Second Peter 4, 8 says, God made great and marvelous promises so that his nature would become part of us. God's nature would become part of us. Amazing. 
then we could escape our evil desires and the corrupt influences of this world. Do your best to improve your faith. You can do this by adding goodness, understanding, self-control, patience, devotion to God, concerns for others, and love. If you keep growing in this way, it will show what you know about our Lord Jesus Christ. He has made your life useful and meaningful. Sounds like the gifts of the Spirit are the fruits of the Spirit. Hebrews 12, 24 through 28 says, And Jesus is here. He is the one who makes God's new agreement with us. And his sprinkled blood says much better things than the blood of Abel. Make sure that you obey the one who speaks to you. The people did not escape when they refused to obey the one who spoke to them at Mount Sinai. Do you think you can possibly escape if you refuse to obey the one who speaks to you from heaven? When God spoke the first time, his voice shook only the earth. This time he has promised to shake the earth once again in heaven too. The words once again means that these created things will someday be shaken and removed. Then what cannot be shaken will last. We should be grateful that we were given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And in this kingdom we please God by worshiping him and showing him great honor and respect. So, talk about we're called into his glory. Isn't that something? We're called into his glory in honor and praise and worship. God didn't just call us to share in the death of Jesus but to make us heirs of Christ's glory. And so God has called us into the death of Jesus, but he has called us into his resurrection too. That's what the first lesson we, stu- we, we studied about with water baptism, and that's part of that, is the showing the death in the resurrection. So first second Thessalonians two, thirteen, fourteen says, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, loved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we just could come to a greater understanding of how much God loves us. We'd never walk away. That would never be that would never be an option for us to walk away, knowing that the creator of the whole universe then his son to die so that we could once again he could once again have the have a have a have a walk in the garden with us. Could walk with us and speak to us. Only sons can share this glory. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Only the sons can. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Would God be God if he didn't give us a choice? Would God love us if he 
didn't give us a choice. How could he love us? We don't have a choice to love him. Okay, the liberty brings deliverance from the bondage of corruption. <coughs> Proclaims liberty and shows the Father's attributes. Josie and I watched the movie here a week or so ago. And I had heard of, heard about this guy. I can't remember if we studied it in school or what, but he was a leper priest. And uh, he was a Catholic, Catholic priest. And uh, he had been assigned to Hawaii, and they had asked for, uh, this was in 1860s, late 1860s, and they had asked for uh, some a missionary to volunteer. They had a, a leper colony on, colony on the island of Molokai, Hawaii, to minister to the lepers there and three of them stood up three, three men stood up and father damien was one of them and they said well y'all can go for like three or four months and then then i'll see what the next one go then the next one will go but father damien knew that god was calling him to do this and so he went and he said i'm here i'm here the other guys don't have to come but they had told him not to touch the lepers the people that were sick and don't get, uh, don't eat after them and all that kind of stuff. And his thoughts was, how can I show them the love of Jesus? And so he was there for 11 years and he died of leprosy. He had, he had become a leper. And I thought, when he stood before God, and God said, well done, good and faithful servant. You love my children the way I do. That's the way God loves us. Amazing man. I, I was convicted. Sometimes in church, we haven't quite learned how to love each other the way we should love each other, I believe. And here's this guy going to lepers. To okay, that was his calling, and he answered the call. The calling of God. First Thessalonians 2, 11 through 12 said, We begged, encouraged, and urged each of you to live in a way that would honor God. He is the one who chose you to share in his own kingdom and glory. God has chose you. All the believers, he has chose you to share in his kingdom and glory. God calls, God's call requires we seek his, pur his purpose. God, what purpose do you have for my life? Lead me into where, to where you want me. Make my desires your desires, God. And we, in Romans 8, 28, says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are, are called according to his purpose. 
who are conformed into the image of his firstborn son, Jesus. Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We're called to receive God's glory. Now, how do we do that? Why do we need to do that? It doesn't become our glory. It's always his glory. But we're able to receive it. And people are able, that's when people come to you and say, but what's different in you? Because we received his glory. Why do you, why do you act like, like you do? Because we have received his glory. John 17, 20 through 26 says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. See, that's our call as a church, as believers, the unity to be in one. That we don't ask if that's God's plan for us, because right here we see that's God's plan for us, that we be as one. Okay, me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you have gave me, I have given them. That they may be one, just as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. So that love is in us. Sometimes I pray because God is really dealing, has, has really dealt with me over the last few years about loving the way that he loves. And uh, my prayer has been, God, show me that that love, your love, rise up in me so that I can love the way that I'm supposed to. It's not enough just to receive his glory. We must also be able to see it. When our lives reflect God's glory, Jesus receives the full reward. Jesus taught us how to reflect the glory of God in the Lord's Prayer. We see that heaven can and will invade earth when we seek his kingdom. When we seek his kingdom, his will, and not our own. When we trust in his provision, God's hands never short. When we forgive just as we have been forgiven. I think that's one of the biggest battles that we have sometimes is, is and we've learned a lot the last couple of years on, on forgiveness, but to forgive just as we have been forgiven. No records kept. That's how much we're forgiven. 
no record is kept. We seek his guidance in his path, trusting he is good and merciful. God, that I may follow your your path, Lord, that my steps will be ordered by you, that I'm trusting in you, that we declare his kingdom, authority, and glory continually. Paul gave the church another great prayer in Ephesians 3, 14-21, saying, I kneel in prayer to the Father. All beings in heaven and on earth receive their life from him. God is wonderful and glorious. I pray that his spirit will make you become strong followers and that Christ will live in your hearts because of your faith. Stand firm and be deeply rooted in his love. I pray that you and all of God's people will understand what is called wide or long or high or deep. Talking about Romans 8. That's his love. I want to know all about Christ's love, although it is too wonderful to be measured. Then your lives will be filled with all that God is. I pray that Christ Jesus and the church will forever bring praise to God. His power at work. In us, his power at work in in us can do far more than we dare ask or imagine. Amen. And so, that's my prayer. Ephesians three fourteen through 21. So our lives will be filled with all that God is. I pray that Christ Jesus in the church will forever bring praise to God. His power at work in us can do far more than we dare ask or imagine. Amen. When we embrace and walk accordingly, according to the purpose and plan of God for our lives, the glory of the Lord will be clearly felt in singing us. Now we started off on lesson one, and as I studied this, uh, I began to understand how, this, how, how God had laid this teaching out, because everything points to this. Everything that we have studied in the last 11 weeks points to this teaching right here. This is how you live your life as we walk with the Lord. And, you know, we grow. And, you know, I was I was thinking, I was thinking uh, in the natural and in the spirit, you know, how our parents won't allow us to crawl for very long. You know, you got a kid that crawls, you're picking him up or her up, and you're walking. I'll try to get help help the child grow, and then through its years, that you're growing them to be, a, you're raising them to be a godly man or godly woman. And that's what God does with us. So, you know, I've been walking long enough with him that I should be able to walk pretty well. But, you know, I haven't grown to where I really need to be in the Lord. And I don't think I'll ever reach that place, but I want to be moving towards that. And if we will uh, if we will remember the things we have learned in this foundation teaching, then we're well on our way. 
to be in there where we can we can hear God's voice. We know what God's voice sounds like. You know, he sounds an awful lot like what's written here. And so we can hear his voice. God's voice always brings life. It never brings death. God will come and he will he won't he won't come and say, Trey, I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> he will come and say, Trey, you're my son. And I love you more than you know. He will come to me and say, Holy Spirit will come to me and say, let me deal with that thing that you've got. You know, you need to let me deal with this and we can get get that thing out of your life and you can move on. You know, sometimes it's forgiveness, sometimes it's something else. So this is all about the foundation. We've got the foundation. You've been here for this class. You've got the foundation now. Now it's time to walk this part out. Where you're you're hearing God's voice and 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 your deepest desire is to follow Him and you're willing to die to to your dreams because God's got a better dream for you. I can see in my life where where my battle was my dream was too small, but that didn't hinder what God wanted to do with me. And so, anyway, praise God. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for this uh, for this foundation class, Lord God, Father, that it will it will be manna to us, Lord God, that it will bring bring food to us, and you will you will bring into recall the things that we have learned in the midst of this and the days ahead, Lord God, as we do as we battle the things that we'll battle, that we will learn that the battle is yours and not ours. And I just thank you and I praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.